The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Oh, hello there. Come on in. Let me tell you the story of Onward. In a land once filled with magic, technology and modern convenience like cars and electricity are now the thing that rules. Magic has been forgotten. But in our story today, two young boys, Ian and Barley, brothers, get met with a surprise that brings the magic real once again. On Ian's 16th birthday, his mom gave him a wizard staff directly from his dad. When Ian opened the staff, within resided a spell to bring back their father. Ian would finally get to meet his dad. After some trial and error, Ian began to cast the magic spell, but the magic was too much for Ian to handle. The spell was only half successful, and Ian and Barley knew that they had to complete this spell within the next 24 hours to see their dad once again. With their dad only halfway back, they set off to find the Phoenix Gem to complete this spell and bring their dad back for one day only. Have others been there for you? Have others in your life been a setup or a setback for you? And how about how you have been for others? Have you been a setup or a setback for those that God has placed in your life? The, the reality is that uh, just like in the story, in the movie Onward, where the dad shows up and he was kind of like only halfway present, uh, I think maybe especially during these past several months, maybe you have felt torn in half. Maybe you have felt like you weren't fully present. Uh, Maybe you were stuck inside for so long uh, that you started to just disconnect from the people that were with you and because you were so connected online. And so it seemed like you were just only available from your torso down. All right. Having, you know, in the story, uh, Ian, you know, ha, you know, he tries to bring his dad back. He never gets a chance to meet his dad. And so he has this, you know, magic wand. He tries to bring his dad back and only half of dad shows up. And so, you know, the, the rest of the movie is kind of the story of them trying to get their dad fully back. And so maybe that's how you have felt. Maybe there have been people that let you down. Maybe you were counting on someone to be there for you, and they weren't fully there. They were just kind of somewhat there, or maybe they weren't there at all. And you've spent your life on a quest to get their approval. Maybe you've spent your life looking for someone to be there for you, maybe to fill the, the dad void in your heart, or maybe to, you've been looking for people's approval. Maybe that's how you've gotten into unhealthy relationships because you're looking for someone to tell you that they love you and fill your heart because there's been something missing in your life. And then I would just switch the focus and say, what about for you? How, how about how have you been for others? Have you set people up or have you been a setback for them? Are people looking for someone else to fill a void that you should have filled? Maybe you weren't fully there for people. And I think, you know, as a dad with six kids, um, there's definitely times that I don't always feel like I'm fully present with all of my kids. Sometimes I feel like I'm letting one of them down because I'm trying to put focus on another one. Maybe I just feel totally tired and exhausted. I don't feel fully present 
By the way, I just want to say thank you, uh, Laura and I and our family. We just got back from vacation. We're just so excited. Uh, it was great to get away for a little while. It's great to be back. I want to let you know we love you. We miss you when we're away. Yes, we do think about you. We do pray for you. We miss you. We love you guys and so excited to be back. And, and here's what I know. I know that we've been going through a tough season. And I believe that even through this watch list series, God wants to speak to each of your hearts. I know God's been speaking to me. We were actually participating with you online even while we were away. And so we're excited to be back, not just in person, but for those of you that aren't able to join us, you're not ready to join us uh, in person, I want you to know it's okay. You can continue to participate with us online. No judgment from those of us that are here in person. Uh, we just wanna let you know that we love you at each of our campuses, we love you. Now let me jump in uh, back into kind of not only the onward story, but how that applies to our story. For me personally, I, I wanna just quickly tell you uh, someone who really wasn't fully there for me. Uh, I was, uh, it was an inter interview where they were, there was a group of uh, significant leaders who were gonna make the decision about whether or not I could start a church in Hagerstown, Maryland. I had already moved to Hagerstown and I was excited about starting this church, but it was really up to them. And one of the leaders, they were one of the more significant leaders in the room, looked me in the eye and said, no, Patrick, you're gonna fail. Not only will you fail at starting a church, but you will run like a dog with your tail between your legs from starting this church. I just thought I should pause awkwardly for a moment while all of our campuses and online experience are hearing that. Just thought, thank you, the one of you that laughed. Uh, maybe those of you at home, you're... Uh, joining us. By the way, we love your interaction online. We are still fully present online. We'd love you to kind of give us a shout out and uh, make a comment. But let me just throw this out there. Uh, here's the thing. I didn't actually need him to say that. I already felt that because I felt like a failure. I, I have lots of insecurities, just like all of you do, right? Every one of you have insecurities. In fact, one of the things I've realized is that everybody in the room has insecurities. And if you're not in the room, you have insecurities. Uh, every one of us have insecurities, and here, here's what happens. Uh, those insecurities become a setback. They hold us back. They, they keep us from taking risks. They, they keep us from believing in ourselves. And so what happens is when someone else validates our weaknesses, validates our insecurities, it sabotages our belief in ourself, it, it magnifies our insecurities and exacerbates our weaknesses so that those things that are weaknesses in the present begin to hold us back from believing in our own future. And that's really what that moment became for me. Somebody's speaking discouragement of you know, validating my already existing and very large insecurities, it just, it just grew in my life. And so, you know, what do you do when you feel like you're dragging around a, rep, a reputation or a feelings of failure, feelings of discouragement that, you, that you're not only, you can't get past, but it's really holding you in your past from going forward into a future that maybe God has for you. And so I, I wanna introduce you to a guy who, um, he, had, he had a lot of reason to be very stuck because he had people in his life that were set, were set back, and he was a big setback for others. Uh, so he was a religious terrorist that went around destroying people's lives, but then got radically converted to the very religion that he was persecuting. All right, you get that, that's kind of the, the, the quick version of the story. Uh, his name was Saul. Uh, he, he was one of the guys who was an early persecutor 
of the first believers in Jesus. Jesus had died, resurrected, ascended to heaven, and now the early church is just starting. And Saul was there, present, encouraging the first martyr, Stephen, to be stoned to death, pelted with rocks. And then Saul went on a campaign to arrest, to persecute, to imprison as many of these Christians as possible. But then he had a a radical conversion on his way to another persecution. He was going on his way to Damascus. Uh, Saul has this, whether it was a revelation, whether it was a vision, it was likely that he actually met Jesus in, in, in person, Jesus reveals himself, blinds Saul with his glory. Saul falls to the ground, and then he is radically converted to becoming a Christian. Well, after he becomes a Christian, he goes to meet other Christians who are obviously very skeptical of this guy who has been not only a setback uh, for other Christians, but has been a saboteur. And and so we're going to jump into the story. It's found in Acts chapter 9. Now, the book of Acts is written by this guy, Luke. Luke, this is important because it might help with the story. Luke, uh, this author, he writes, writes, uh, this is the sequel to his first part, which is the the Gospel of Luke, which is his researched account of the life and teachings of Jesus. Luke was a doctor who, you know, hears about Jesus and is so amazed by Jesus' followers that he researches the person of Jesus, writes the Gospel account, and then he writes the second half, the book of Acts, which is an account of his experience interacting with the church. And so in his account, he records this moment where Saul, is on his way, you know, he goes to Damascus, and and, and so we kind of pick up with this guy Saul. When he came to Jerusalem, now he he returns to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So everybody's skeptical of him, understandably. I mean, Saul has not only made some mistakes, but he's made some enemies because he's treated them as an enemy. And so now he tries to join the very church that he was persecuting, and they're all afraid of him and stepping back to get away from him. And so what does he do? Well, the reality is um, there's nothing Saul could do. He's stuck. He's got a bad reputation. He's done some terrible things in his life. Uh, He's been a religious terrorist, and so there's nothing he could do. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you're stuck because you've been set back rather than set up. And maybe you've sat in a room like I have, where a person speaks up and just speaks death into you and discouragement into you and, you know, validates your worst fears. And and what do you do? You're sitting there, there's, there's nothing you can do. You just sit there feeling beat up and beat down and discouraged. Well, I want to jump a little bit further into the story, but Barnabas which his name interestingly means son of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles. So Barnabas puts his arm around Saul and says, hey, come with me. He brings him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. You know, it's interesting while Saul couldn't do anything to prove himself or, or, or re, you know, rebuild his reputation, overcome his failures and his setbacks, Barnabas could do it for him. And so Barnabas speaks up for Saul. Barnabas leverages his reputation so that he can introduce Saul to the apostles. 
And Barnabas paves the way for Saul to have access to the church, to the leaders of the church, and so that he could become a leader in the church. And there's actually a timeless principle that jumps out of this story. I want you to focus less on Saul and more on Barnabas. Why? Because Barnabas learned how to, he he did something really unique in Saul's life. He wasn't just partially present. Barnabas was fully present, and Barnabas made a hero out of Saul. And so my challenge to you is make heroes of others. In fact, can I encourage you, maybe type that in the comment section, beyond the comment section, uh, for each of you, would you take a moment and write that down? Maybe, maybe type that in your smartphone, maybe make a quick note of that. Hey, get a pen, just write it on your arm. Make heroes of others. Now, I get it. Most of us will spend most of our life just trying to overcome and compensate for our insecurities. Some of you will go to therapy. Some of you will spend years in counseling. Some of you, your prayer life will be consumed with trying to overcome your insecurities and the setbacks that you have experienced from others. And so you will make it your mission just to live your life in such a way that you can overcome your insecurities and your fears and your self-doubts and maybe, just maybe, become the hero of your own story. But you and I, we never really ever get there. Want to know why? Because we sabotage our own story. We're not fully present because we live a divided life. We sabotage our, ourselves. We've, we exacerbate our own weaknesses and insecurities because we have a spiritual force in us called sin that actually gets in the way of us ever actually becoming what we believe and dream of becoming. Why? Because sin, this spiritual force, lives in us but fights us as an enemy, destroying us from within, pushing us away from God, who is the one who fulfills our life and gives us life and gives us meaning and purpose. And so without God, you could say that you go through life only partially present. You're not fully there. You're not fully who you were meant to be. And so you and I go through life. We're not fully present. Sin is sabotaging us. Sin robs us of the life we were meant to live. And so we go through life never fully living the life God meant for us. And so what does God do? You could, you could jump into the story uh, of Saul, and you could say, very much like Jesus did for Saul, Jesus showed up. Jesus didn't just show up halfway. I, I, I love this, this movie because it really does reveal the gospel story. I'm not going to give the whole thing away, but I'll just give you this. Jesus doesn't just show up partially, right? He's not just like half God, half man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He shows up fully in human form to reveal all of God to us, to reveal all of God's love. And here's what Jesus does. He puts his whole self on the cross and he dies in our place. He absorbs our sin. The sabotaging force that is destroying us from within, Jesus puts on himself. He absorbs our eternal death sentence. He dies in our place. He absorbs our guilt, our shame, our regrets, our 
distorted and broken reputation. He embraces all of our failures. He becomes our sin. He pays for the penalty of our sin, dies in our place. But in the climax of the story of Jesus, he doesn't just die. He rises from the dead. And in his resurrection, he overcomes the grip of guilt on, uh, of sin on our life. So that when he rises from the dead, he sets us free from sin. He frees us from the fear of death because he gives us victory with eternal life. And when you know that you're gonna live forever, you don't fear death because you are forgiven of sin and given new life. Now, before I go any further, I wanna just make sure you don't miss this moment. I wanna remind you that God doesn't wanna just be partially present in your life. And you know, a little bit like in the movie, um, Ian is trying to get his dad back and his dad, he never had experience with his dad. And then when his dad does show up, he just shows up kind of half of him. Jesus doesn't want you to just have half an experience with God. He, he wants you to know the Father, and so Jesus is fully present. And then he promises you the Holy Spirit, so when you believe in Jesus by faith, you get all of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and live in you so that you can know God fully. And if you're ready to make that commitment, maybe you have a void in your life. Maybe you've been going to counseling. Maybe you've been seeking therapy. Maybe you've been looking at other relationships to fill a void. Maybe a dad void in your life. Maybe a, a, another kind of love relationship that you're is missing. I promise you, God is the one that fills that void. He's the only one that could fill that void. You will never be fully satisfied. You will never ever have fulfillment in life or feel fully alive unless Jesus is fully alive in your life by allowing God's spirit into your spirit. Listen, if you're making that decision right now, I wanna invite you to respond and let us know. The way you're gonna let us know is just shoot us a text, uh, write the word Jesus. By the way, I feel like I need to explain this since I was away on vacation. I've been praying for you and thinking, about it. I'm like, I don't even know if people even know how to, like I don't, I'm not assuming that you don't know how how to do this, but in case you're not familiar with using these kind of numbers to text, I know we're like three months into this COVID disaster, but just, you know, this is the number that you're texting. You're like, instead of texting your friend's number, you're texting 41411, and then in the, in what you're typing in, you're typing the word Jesus, and you hit send, and then we're going to follow up and let you know. You're, this isn't, like, this isn't how you invite Jesus into your life, okay? Just want to be clear. God's not up in heaven waiting for your text. We're waiting for your text so that we know that you made a commitment to say yes to Jesus. So text, for, text the word Jesus to 41401. We're going to follow up with you and help you as you begin this new relationship with Jesus. Now, with that, here, here's what happens. You, you, you believe in Jesus. You invite Jesus in your life. God the Father is fully present in your life. God sees in you something extraordinary. I know you feel ordinary. I get it. Me too. I know you feel inadequate. Me too. I know you carry insecurities. Me too. We all do. But when God affirms us with his love, he removes guilt and shame. He becomes fully present in our life through the person of the Holy Spirit because we believe in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We are forgiven. We are made new. We are given the newness of life and eternal life through God's spirit being present in us. And so now we understand this. I might feel like an ordinary person, but I was made by God, which makes me extraordinary. And God has an extraordinary purpose for my life. And so he puts his extraordinary spirit in me 
so that I can begin to live a, a heroic kind of life. Here is the point. Jesus wants to be the hero of your story. And when Jesus is the hero of your story, you stop trying to be the hero of your own story. And then you can become a hero for others because now you want to introduce Jesus to them and you can help them discover how Jesus is the hero of their story. Jesus wants to show off heroics, not just in your life, but through your life as you become a hero to others by introducing them to Jesus. So let's do this. Let's jump back into the movie real quick because there's a couple lessons I want to borrow from the movie that I want to teach you from the life of Saul, who changes his name to Paul, who really discovered a life lesson from Barnabas on how to make heroes of others. Check this out. Ian and Barley's adventures take many twists and turns. They survive the Manticore's tavern, they traverse across the invisible bridge, and they survive the lair of the gelatinous cube. But even after all of that, they're unsuccessful at finding the Phoenix Gem. Now back home from the adventure, Ian sits down sadly to spend his last few moments with his father before the spell wears off. He pulls out a list of all the things he wanted to do with his dad. Ian starts to remove them, cross them off his list one by one, as though he'll never be able to get to do them with his father. But at that moment, Ian looks back on an adventure realizing he did indeed get to do those things. Though he wanted to do these things with his father, he realized that his brother Barley was actually the one that was able to achieve every single thing on his list. Not wanting to let his brother down and wanting to hold on to the little hope they had left, Barley is able to solve a clue and find the Phoenix Gem, but a curse is after the gem, and a giant dragon is revealed from inside by magical means. Running from the dragon, Barley tells Ian to meet his dad with the gem, and they'll fight the curse together. But Ian, realizing how much Barley had done for him, says no. He says to stay and say the goodbye to his dad that he never got. Barley accepts, runs to cast the spell, as Ian goes to face the fight of the dragon before him. All right, so sorry if we ruined the movie for those of you that haven't seen it yet, but this is Watchlist, and we are going through some popular movies right now. And kind of what you see is, the, the point is this. Um, here Ian thinks that what he really needs is one more day with his or one day with his dad, only to discover that he had a brother who had been that for him all along. And so his brother really brings some heroic things out of Ian. And I want, what I want you to know is this. Not only do you have God fully present in your life, Jesus, who came to rescue you from sin and set you up for a new and true life with God forever, but you have the personal Holy Spirit living in you so that you can become a little bit more like barley, right? You can, you can be someone, you can be someone's bigger brother. You can be someone fully present in their life, making a hero out of them. Let, let's jump back into the story of Saul. Now, um, it's important that you catch this because I, I want you just to hear how Saul's life is changed. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, what's interesting, maybe this is just a parenthetical uh, uh, teaching. The word Christian means like Christ. Like, like I think about it like... Um, any other like nationality, uh, Americans, Christians means of Christ or like little Christs. And so uh, it was almost used in a pejorative way in Antioch to be like, hey, look at those people who are like Jesus. They're all running around acting like Jesus. And, and, and yet we've carried that now for 2000 years, not in a mocking way, but in a, yeah, that's my goal to be more like Jesus. But what's interesting is that Barnabas found Saul brought him with him, believed in Saul, saw, saw leadership in Saul, and said, I want to I help you so that you can begin to teach others. From Antioch, Barnabas and Saul set off on a missionary journey, and they traveled to multiple countries. Uh, they're going to begin the process of starting churches across Asia and Europe. Along the journey, Saul changes his name to Paul because one of the first converts he has is a guy whose name is, it's kind of like Paulus. And so Saul adopts the name of his first convert. And so his life is radically changed. The point is this, be a, be a Barnabas, set others up to be heroes. Your goal, like Barnabas, is to set others up to become heroes. So many of us spend so much of our life trying to be the hero that we miss that we could actually help make heroes of others. Make he Dads, make heroes of your children. Moms, you're raising little heroes. Don't, don't turn them into an adult, adult, permanent adolescence. Don't, don't teach them to be, you know, little toddlers the rest of their life. You're, you're raising up heroes. You, you believe in Jesus? I want you to make it your mission to help others become heroic in their faith. Your mission in life is not to be known, but to make Jesus known through the people that you invest your life into, which means like Barnabas, you have to see in a Saul what no one else can see but Jesus alone. Some of you, you may, maybe you get the little the little tagline, uh, Jesus loves you. It's a good thing because no one else does, right? <laughs> um, um, the point is, you have to be able to see that in other people. For me, I, I had someone see that in me. I, after that moment, I, I had a pastor who just loved me and believed in me. He would meet with me every week, and he, he just became a significant influence in my life. And he would look me in the eye and say, Patrick, I believe in you. I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And here's what I see in you. And he would just speak faith over me. He would, he would tell me how he believes that I could pastor a great church and a, and a church that would impact cities and a church that would start churches and lead a network. And I would raise up other pastors. And I would look at him like, I don't even know how you see that, but I don't believe it. But eventually I started believing it because I heard it so much that his faith in me became a faith in me of what God could do through me. And here, here's the point. You and I need to see in others what God already sees in them. And you've got to see the heroics in people. You've got to pray for them and believe in them. Pray over your children. Believe in your children. Pray over your coworkers. Pray for your, your extended family. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your community. Maybe there's somebody who just grates at you. Maybe they've gotten under your skin. You start praying for them and you start asking God to help you see what he sees in them. Look, they're alive. 
which means God sees something in them. Maybe you need to start seeing in them what God sees in them. But it's not enough just to see it in them. You and I have to put others first. We got to start putting ourselves second to start putting others first so that we can serve them and lift them up so they can become what God intended for them to become. I love the quote from Sir Isaac Newton who said, if I see further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. Here's an incredible, you know, historically renowned scientist who said, if I made everything I've been able to do was only accomplished because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Maybe your strong shoulders are not so you can do something heroic, but so that others can stand on your shoulders. That means that you've gotta be willing to leverage your strength for those that are weak. You gotta be willing to leverage your voice for the voiceless. You gotta be willing to leverage your influence for those without influence. You have to be willing to leverage your wisdom and your financial skills, and maybe even your finances, maybe your education, maybe your resiliency, whatever you have in you, you leverage it to strengthen others and help make heroes of them. Maybe the most heroic thing you'll ever do is not to be a hero, but to make heroes of others. I know for me personally, one of the things I try to do is, I call it like sharing the platform. I wanna set others up by giving them the platform so that they can develop a voice that they otherwise wouldn't have. That's why we give away so much leadership at LifeHouse. That's why we train up church planners and send out pastors to start new churches. That's why we, you know, we start campuses and we train, church, we train campus pastors and we're constantly training other leaders because we believe that God has a purpose for your life and we believe that God wants to do more through you than you could possibly imagine. So you gotta see what God sees. You gotta put others first. You gotta leverage your strengths for those that are weak. You gotta believe in people. Let me jump back into the story real quick. Sometime later, Paul, remember that Saul, said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in the work. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted with company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, when you read this story, I read it fast, and so maybe you didn't catch the point. It's, it's interesting. Barnabas, this son of encouragement, has a sharp disagreement with Paul because Barnabas wants to bring John Mark. Now, the problem is John Mark had deserted them on one of their missionary journeys. Basically, it was this young guy who just was like, I want to go home to mommy. And Paul, and Paul is like, he's this fierce, you know, leader. And he's like, no, we got to charge, charge, charge. And so Paul has no use for John. Barnabas sees something in John Mark and he believes in him and he wants to give him an opportunity. And so he says, well, I'm taking John Mark anyway. Paul's like, get out of here, but I'll take Silas with me. It's funny, Barnabas does the same thing to John Mark. John Mark becomes a, a support to him, becomes a support to the apostle Peter, eventually reconnects with Paul and becomes a significant leader alongside of Paul. John Mark eventually writes the gospel of Mark. Now, something else crazy. Saul, who becomes Paul, eventually starts about 14, at least 14 churches. He raises up many pastors and leaders, and he writes 13 of the 26 books of the New Testament. 
He also raises up Silas and Timothy and Titus and Philemon and several other leaders who become authors of parts of the Bible. They become pastors of significant churches in the earliest church. The point is what Saul who becomes Paul had to learn was don't hoard the heroics. Help others become heroes. Paul couldn't see in John Mark what Barnabas saw in him. And he wasn't getting it. It took him a little while to overcome his own weaknesses. The point is this. Often, when others have invested in us, we hoard it. They've spoken life into us, and we don't learn how to speak life into others. I want to challenge you. Learn how to speak life into others. Pass it on, even if you haven't gotten it. Even if no one has ever believed in you, I want you to know God believes in you. Even if no one has ever seen a future for you, God saw a future in you. Even if no one has ever given generously to you, God gave generously to you through the person of Jesus Christ. Even if no one has ever spoken life and I believe in you, into you, I want you to know God has spoken his life and God has spoken faith in you. God has pronounced over you that he loves you and he believes in you more than you ever believed in yourself. Now, here's the deal. Don't hoard it. You gotta help others become heroes which means the goal of your life is not to do something heroic, but just to be someone who helps others become heroes. Maybe the most heroic thing you'll ever do is make a hero of others, meaning you train them and you equip them and you believe in them and you serve them and you love them and you give to them so that they can become more than they would be on their own. They could do more than they would have ever done on their own. They believe more in themselves than they would have ever believed without you. You could be the most significant voice in someone's life if you would just open your mouth and speak the word of God over someone. You could be a most, the most powerful person prophetic voice into someone if you would learn to pray for them. You could be the encouragement that the discouraged need by simply giving an encouraging word to someone. You are more powerful as a hero maker, as someone who makes heroes of other, others than you could possibly realize. And I want you to know that we love you. That every word these moments are like seeds. Think about it. When, what Saul did when he, when he started his persecution, he planted a seed of persecution that spread and almost destroyed the early church. A setback spreads. But when Barnabas believed in Saul, who started at least 14 churches on his own, invested in multiple pastors and church planners, wrote 13 books of the New Testament, right? That seed of believing in Saul spread. And I want you to know that your investment can transform your home. It can transform your neighborhood. It can transform a city. It can transform a nation. I want you to know that you believing in someone else and speaking the word of God over them, praying for them, loving them, investing into them, caring for them, being generous to them, it can spread and it can transform generations. So I want to do is I want to pray over you. I want to pray that you would not only receive the love of God, but you become a conduit of hero making in others' lives. Would you allow me to pray for you? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each of our campuses. I thank you for those, of, those that are joining us online. Um, 
those that are traveling and joining us, those that have been faithfully joining us throughout this pandemic. God, I thank you for each of those that are with us right now. They're part of the larger Lifehouse family, both in our region and across the globe. God, we love you and we are so thankful for our extended family. And now, God, I pray that every single person would just recognize that you see in them heroics, that you love them, that you believe in them, that they are who you say they are, not what they've heard in the past, not what they've been lied about, not the insecurities that they've believed, not the fears that they've believed, not the past that they've carried. You love them, you are for them, and you've created them with destiny and purpose. And so God, I pray that they would be strengthened right now by the Holy Spirit to live the purposes of God for their life, and they would begin to step out in faith to make heroes of those around them. May we be a church that makes heroes of our neighbors, that we make heroes of our cities, that we make heroes of our neighborhoods, that we become people who set others up to experience the heroics of Jesus. We say this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting Lifehouse Church dot org.